Today's year begins seven lines from the top of Daf Lamed Gimel. On the side, you will notice a no say, a topic heading, and we've uh, mentioned a few points. Tefillah b'chol lashon. We're continuing with uh, trying to find out the sources for different recitations as being possible to be recited in any language, as opposed to those uh, types of uh, passages that are restricted to be said in Hebrew. Tefillah, Shmona Esrei, the prayer, uh, the 18 benedictions that we say every day, three times a day, that can be recited in any language. And Haim Hamalochim Makirim Becholashon, another point that will uh, appear in this Gemara, is the recognition on the part of angels of other languages other than Hebrew. Let's see the Gemara. The Gemara says regarding Tefillah, Rachmihi, it's a beseeching for heavenly mercy, heavenly compassion. Isn't that is what the nature of Tefillah is? And as such, Kol Hechi Deboi Matzli. However, you should desire, so be it. Pray thusly. Uh, Rashi points out that you don't need a posuk for um, justifying that prayer can be in any language. It's uh, a svora, it's a type of, uh, um, it's logical. Since prayer is our turning to the Almighty and seeking His compassion uh, in, in prayer, so you do it in any language that, through which you can accomplish that goal. The Gemara asks, Is it really so that Tefillah can be in any language? Notice we have a long question here. The Omer of Yehuda, says that a person should not uh, recite, utter his requests uh, in Aramaic. The Omer of Yehuda, Anyone who asks for his needs uh, in Aramaic, of course, we say, ask your needs from the Almighty. Ein Malache Hashores Niskokinlo. The service angels who are involved in the, we'll say, the transportation of one's prayers to the uh, heavenly throne, they do not uh, attach themselves, they do not deal with uh, people who request things in Aramaic. The service angels do not recognize Aramaic. These are, of course, very esoteric ideas. What does it mean they don't recognize it? Is it that they don't understand it? They don't want to understand it? They, whatever the case is, we're presenting the Gemara in a very superficial, almost translation level, but nevertheless, the, the point is conveyed that without the assistance of the service angels, the Malachi Ashari, so that one's prayers are going to really stay here on earth and not get to the uh, heavenly throne. If that be the case, then how can the Mishnah tell us that Tefillah can be in any language, and that would include Aramaic? Lo kashya, there is no difficulty. Ha biyachid, ha betzibor. It depends if the person is praying on his own, is not, is not part of a tzibor. Tzibor is a minion of uh, ten uh, males, Ten adult males. So he's if he's biyachid, he's diving, he's praying privately. He should not uh, pray in Aramaic. If he, if however, he's betzibur, he's in a in a uh, uh, group setting. The ten 
male adults in a, a prayers like that don't require the intervention or the assistance of the service angels in the in the transportation and the carriage of the prayers to the Almighty. Uh, the Almighty is present, so to speak. Again, uh, these are very esoteric ideas, but for the purpose of of understanding this, the Almighty is is right there when a group of ten people are davening. That's the significance of what we call tefillah b'tzibur, amongst other uh, attributes that it has, is this, that service angels are simply not involved in the transportation in the conveyance of those prayers. The Gemara now asks a question, notice again it's a long question. Is that accurate? That is it accurate to say that the service angels do not recognize Aramaic? We have a Tanaic source. In this Tanaic source there are two uh, incidents and it says as follows Yochanan Koen Godol Yochanan the high priest it's a point we should point out that the high priest the Koen Godol serves in the uh, Beis Hamikdash on Yom Kippur he is the one that does the service of Yom Kippur and part of the service is the Koen Godol's entrance to the Holy of Holies to the Kedesh HaKadoshim and it happened as follows that Yochanan Koen Godol Shoma Baskel he heard a uh, heavenly voice, and at this point, we're associating this this heavenly voice with uh, with angels, with service angels. So he heard a heavenly voice, Mibes Kedesh from the inner sanctum uh, on Yom Kippur uh, during the avoda of the Kohen Gadol. Shehu Omer. Then this Baskol, this heavenly voice, was saying the following. There's an Aramaic phrase here, and it it relates to the uh, the historical period of the base Hashmonoim, the Hasmonians that were warring with the Greeks and it says, the heavenly voice said as follows, and you'll notice this is an Aramaic phrase Nitzchu Talia Nitzchu is, they, the, Nitzchu is he, that's a Hebrew word, but it means they, they were victorious, the Talia, Talia that's Aramaic that's the, the young Kohanim, the young uh, Kohanim from the Hashmonoi Kohen family they were victorious in battle. The Azlu Laagcha Kravel Antuchia. They went to fight uh, a battle. Antuchia is the name of a place, but for our purpose, it's a reference to war uh, against the the Greeks. And they were they were victorious, and that's what this heavenly voice announced, quite in Aramaic. Sadik, another uh, incident. This involving. Shimon Atzadik, a also a Kohen Gadol, Sheshama Baskol Mibes Kodesh Hakadoshim. Shu Omer, he heard a heavenly voice uh, emanating from the Holy of Holies that announced, "Betelas Avidita." Avidita is a military company. Uh, Betelas means they were they were canceled. This this uh, military force that was that was scheduled that it was. Uh, supposed to come and and war against the Jews. Well, it was betelas avidita. The chayel, the um, military effort, was cancelled. The Omar sano al hechlo. The plan had been for the enemies, for the uh, the hated ones or the enemies, laisos to come upon the hechal, to come upon the base hamigdash, and to uh, inflict injury and uh, destruction. Venerag. Gaskalgis. Gaskalgis was the name of the king of the uh, Greek ruler. 
he was killed, when the ruler is killed, so his edicts are also cancelled. So his gzeros, his edicts were bota, were voided. The kosvul oyser shah, the kivnu, they took note of the moment that this heavenly voice came forth, and it, it turned out to be exactly the time that uh, these events took place. Uboloshan arami hoya omer. And here's the main point. And these announcements from the Baskol were in Aramaic. So the, the Baskol, the uh, service angels, are quite familiar with Aramaic. So the Gemara has two approaches through which to resolve this seeming discrepancy. On the one hand, we said that the Ein Malachishos Makirin Boloshan Rami, and here you have uh, some indication to the contrary. Number one, Eboya Sema, if you like, you can say Baskol Shiny. A baskol is a heavenly voice. It's a, a different spiritual entity than a service angel. The baskol, its whole purpose is for disseminating information. It's 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 a it's a voice that uh, that is uh, that is issued forth to be understood. That's the la we look in Rashi, shiny Baskol. The Rashi we're looking at is a little, about halfway down. The Rashi commentary. That power, that entity that's appointed over this, that's, that is we refer to as the Baskol. It knows the 70 languages. It's made for the purpose of informing, of making known. And it's sent to all different speakers of different languages, sometimes to this one, sometimes to that one. So the Baskol is not a challenge to the issue of the Malachi Ashores. We continue. Number two, Gavriel Hava. Another approach is, is that the voice that was heard from the Kiddush Kodesh was the voice of the uh, Archangel Gavriel. It's in English, sometimes referred to as Gabriel. Here's a, this is a very, very terse quote, but it's, it appears later in our Mesichta that uh, when Yosef was in Mitzrayim uh, and he had to meet uh, Paro, Paro was familiar with 70 languages and it was urgent that uh, that Yosef would be able to um, meet Paro on his terms, also be conversant in 70 languages and uh, Yosef had not uh, studied 70 languages so miraculously through the uh, intervention of this uh, angel Gavriel taught Yosef the 70 languages of the world uh, included in which is Aramaic, so that you see that the angel Gabriel, he is different, but in general, uh, other angels are not familiar with Aramaic, or Loma Kirin. Again, we, we said earlier that this, uh, the term Loma Kirin, uh, it could be either they, they don't know it, they don't recognize it, or they don't want to be associated with Aramaic. Whatever the case is, the source that we read above is not a standard service angel. Birka Samozon, the grace after meals, that can be said in any language. Dichtiv, the posuk in the Torah that is the source for Birka Samozon, the Ochalta Vesavato Verachta Hashem Elokecha. 
That's the Pasuk. And we derive from this, the whole Lashon Shatom Mevorech. The Pasuk says that after you eat and are satisfied, you shall bless the Almighty. Bless the Almighty in any language. The Pasuk doesn't establish which language to use. So you say it in any language. The Rashi points out that when, as we read the Gemara, we read Birchas and you don't see the word Menolon. From where do we know this? Because it's uh, Rashi points out you, you don't need a Pasuk to say that Birchas is in any language because there's no reason to think that it should have been restricted to Hebrew in the first place. So when you read the source for Birchas Amazon, it simply says that when you, after you eat and are satisfied, so you bless the Almighty, and that it, that in, that it, it itself entails the the uh, idea of bless Him in any language that you can. But the but Rashi is it seems to me very very precise here in in terms of uh, the uh, let's say the linguistic approach to Gemara study. And that is that the term Minolon will appear when the Gemara is seeking a source for something that without which I would have thought otherwise. Here, with the Birchas Amazon, the Minolon word doesn't appear because with regard to Birchas Amazon, it's not as if I would have thought that it should have been only in Hebrew that I need a Pasuk to, we'll say, dispel that. We continue. Shvuas Haidus is, we say in any language, Dichtiv. The Pasuk says, V'nefesh ki sechta v'shama kol ola. The Shvuas Haidus was the oath that one would be required to take in the event that he claims he doesn't know testimony if, on behalf of someone else, and the, the court would impose upon the individual claiming he doesn't know Testimony that he should swear to that effect, and the pasuk we just cited indicates bechol lashon shehi shomas, the shama kol ola, the individual shall swear concerning his denial of testimony in any language that the person uh, hears or understands. Now let's take a look at Rashi, and here we have something that ties into the point we mentioned just before with regard to the birchas hamazon. Notice, Rashi, he has an extra word that we don't have in our Gemara. He has the word minolan. And we explained a moment ago that when the Gemara uses the word minolan, and according to Rashi's text, it seems that that word would have appeared over here in the Gemara. It's a word where the, that the, whereby the Gemara is asking, where do I know something? Without which I would have thought something else. And here, notice what Rashi does. He says, "The Elo Kosav Kra had I not had this pasuk, which says Vesham Kol If I didn't have that Ika Lemeimar, I would have thought Dumi I would have thought that this thing, this uh, process called Shvuas Edus, is patterned after the oath that the Jewish people uh, uh, had imposed upon themselves concerning uh, the blessings and the curses uh, at Har Grizim and Haivel that we alluded to when we studied the Mishnah. And there, the Torah has a source for it being 
in Loshana Kodesh specifically. So here, the Pasuk tells us, don't think that Shua Sa'edus is patterned after Hargrizim Harevol, and therefore, uh, since we have this Pasuk, I, I know not to pattern it after that, and hence it can be in any language. Shua's Hapikaron, we also we say that Shua, the Shua, that person who uh, was given an item to watch, he, he's a Shomer, and it got stolen, and he claims uh, as a result of his, his claim of theft that he doesn't have to pay, being that the Torah provides an exemption for certain kinds of shomrim when it comes to theft, he nevertheless has to swear to that effect. Uh, and the Mishnah tells us that can be in any language. How do we know that? Asya techto techto mishvuas ha'edus. Through a word comparison, uh, using the word techto, we conclude, just like in shvuas ha'edus, any language is acceptable, so too with regard to the Shuas HaPikado. V'elu ne'moren b'loshan ha'kodesh mikro b'kuru v'chalitza. Here the Gemara is a bit terse and it simply says ad mikro b'kurim. The Mishnah made mention of a list of things that are said in Hebrew only. And that included the passage that one recites when he brings the b'kurim, the first fruits of his orchard of his uh, fields he brings to the base Hamigdash and presents it to the Kohen so a passage is read it's called Mikra Bikurim and Chalitza the shoe removal ceremony what each party has to say all of these have to be in uh, in Hebrew so uh, the Gemara uh, goes over Mikra Bikurim Ketzad how is the Mikra Bikurim uh, how, how do we know that it's only in uh, in Hebrew? The pasuk says, That's a pasuk that appears in the context of mikra bikurim ulahalanu omer, and later it says in devarim Zion pasuk yud dalid with regard to the har grizim and har eval experience, where the Jewish people split in, onto these two mountains, and the Levium uh, were, were down between the two mountains, and uh, uh, blessings and curses were recited. And in that episode, it says, "The Anu Halavium the Omru El Kol Ish Yisrael Kol Rom." And from that pasuk, we say, "Ma Aniyah Hamura Mahalon." Just like the word Aniyah there by the Levium, uh by the Hargrizim story was in Hebrew, Af Kan So too by Bikurim, it is also because you see the word Vionisa, the same word, the same root word appears there. It too, Mikra Bikurim is in Loshana Kodesh in Hebrew. And regarding the Levium themselves at Hargrizim and Hareval, when they were reciting the blessings and curses, how do you know that itself had to be in Hebrew? Very nice, we said that it says there, Vionu Halavim, but the, the word Onu itself doesn't mean Hebrew. So the Gemara says, Asya Kul Kul Mimoshe. In the case of the Hargrizim Arevel Levium experience, the Pasuk has said, and we had written this in between the lines, it said, uh, Kul Rum. So you see the word Kul by the Levium, and you find the word Kul by Moshe Rabbeinu. Ksiv Kul Rum, by Levium you see the word Kul Rum, Uksiv 
Hossam by the giving of the Torah to Moshe Rabbeinu. And now there is a basic assumption that the Torah was given in Hebrew. That is just a, that's axiomatic. So it says, with regard to the Matan Torah, Moshe Yadaber Volakim Yanenu Bekoil. So that the Torah was given in Hebrew. And you see the word koil there. Ma'alahalon beloshon hakodesh, just like there by the giving of throws in Hebrew. Afkan beloshon hakodesh. So too by the hagrizim harevol experience, you see the word koil rum. It too means Hebrew. And with that, then you can use the the onisa word that you find, or the onu. That word then takes on the association with Hebrew, and that can be transferred then to other things where you see the word V'anu, like Mikro Bikurim. Chalitza Ketzad, and uh, it went on in the Mishnah to say, V'anso, V'omro, Ulahalon Omer, V'chule, etc., and then Rebut Omer, Kocha, Av Shetomar, Beloshon So in our uh, Mishnah, we saw a Machlokes Tanakamo, and Rabbi Huda, uh, what's the source for Chalitza being restricted to Hebrew? The Tanakama had a Gzera Shava comparing two different topics, and Rabbi Huda saw it in the Posuk itself by Chalitza, which, in which it says, Kocha, thusly. Kocha meaning a restricted word, means just as it is in the Torah, that's what they would recite. Now the Gemara asks for Rabbanon Hai Kocha Mai Avdile. What do the What do the Rabbanon who disagree with Rabbi Yehuda? What do they derive from the word Kocha? Answer: Mibayalahu Ladovar Shumaisim Akev. They use the word Kocha to tell us that when it comes to the Sota process, those things that are action oriented. For example, there is the shoe removal. There is the spitting. That those actions are binding, they're ma'akev, without which the chalitza hasn't been fulfilled. The, of course, the chalitza is the shoe removal ceremony to enable a, the widow of a man who left no children to uh, be free to marry anyone she wants and not be restricted to the surviving brother. Rebuda, where does Rebuda know this point that a dover shoe maises ma'akev miko kocha? The Pesach, instead of saying ko, it uses it uses and adds an extra chaf kocha, and that clues in the, the opinion of Rabbi Huda that the dovashu meisim akev verabonon ko kocha lo mashmalu. The rabbonon don't see any significance from the extra chaf for, uh, for with regard to these purposes, and therefore kocha itself is the uh, source for dovashu meisim akev. And as far as how do the Rabbonin know only in Hebrew, they don't learn it from Kocha, but rather they learn it from the uh, comparison that we saw in the Mishnah. We continue to the top of Omid Beis, the Rebbe Yehuda, Hai v'onsa v'omra mai ovid lei. Rebbe Yehuda mentioned that the restriction in the case of Chalitza is from the word Kocha, what does Rebidu do with the Vionsa Vyomra Posik which the Rabbonan used in the context of a Gzeira Shava? Answer Miboya Lei La Agmuri Lulavim de Boloshon Hakodesh. What Rebuda does with the Onsa Vyomra, he actually uses 
the Chalitza Pasuk as a source for Hebrew, and from the Chalitza, he learns Xerishov in the other direction to the Levium, that the Parsha of Hargrizim and Harevel has to be in Hebrew. So that's what the Gemara answers. He needs the Ansa Omra that you find by the Chalitza, to teach me concerning the topic of Hargrizim and Harevel, that it must be in Loshan HaKadosh only. Question, the Lelif Kul Mi Moshe. Why not learn that just like you find in the by the partial Vim, you find the word Kul Rom, and by Matan Torah you see Vashem Yanenu Bekul, and from through the Kul word comparison, you would be able to conclude uh, that in the Levium, the Hargriz Marvel is in Hebrew. So that, uh, why does Rebuta insist on learning the Levium being in Hebrew from Chalitza? Rebuta could have learned the Levium be in Hebrew from Matan Torah. Think more answers. Ani ani gomir, kel kel lo gomir. This concept of comparison, of word comparisons, what we call Xerishava, is something a person does not invent on his own. It has to be something that you receive through a, an oral tradition, through a transmission from a, a Rav to you. And that Rav got it from his Rav. So that with regard to Reb Yehuda, he did not have a tradition concerning the word Kul. He had a tradition, though, concerning the word Aniyah. So the Levium are derived from Chalitza and not, as far as Rebuta is concerned, not from Matan Torah. Tanyo Nami Hochi, a Tanaic source that supports this, Rebuta, Omer, Komokom Shinema, Ko, Kocha, Aniyah, Vamira, where you see any of these expressions, Eno, Elo, Loshana, Kedish. It indicates Hebrew only. Ko, where, what's the, where do we find that? Ko, Yisavarchu. Thusly, they the Kohanim are to bless the Jewish people in Hebrew. Kocha de Chalitza. Uh, Kocha is a, is from the the pasuk that uh, you find by the Chalitza. Kocha sheyel selisha shelayivnes beisachiv, and aniyav amira. Those expressions uh, you find by the Levium. And each one of those cases the uh, process or the recitation is restricted to Hebrew. Before we continue in the Gemara, we have a topic heading on the side. Uh, the Nosei reads, Machlekes Tanoim al Hamikum Shelhar Grizim Ve'evol. A Tanaic controversy concerning the location of these mountains, which was the uh, geographic point in which the nation of Israel uh, recited blessings and curses as are listed off in the Torah and Sefer Dvorim. Before we get into the Gemara, the text itself, of course you notice a very long Tanaic source, we want to read Posuk Choftes of Perik Yud Aleph. Uh, the, we're talking about the end of uh, Perik, toward the end of Perik Yud Aleph. Posuch says, 
and it will be when you when the Almighty brings you into the land uh, that you are to inherit. The blessing will be when uh, the Levium turn toward Hagrisim, and the Klola will be when they turn toward Har Eval. The Pusuk that we will see darshaned in the Gemara, in this Tanaic source, is the next Pusuk, Pusuk Lamed. So before we read the Gemara, which will, before we read this Brisa, which will break the Pusuk down into phrases, let's continue reading what we see. Uh, in the Chumash, Pasuk Lamed, Halohemo Be'eva Hayarden, they are on the other side of the Jordan River, bearing in mind that the Chumash features the, we'll say, the story of the Jewish people up till, but not including their entrance into the land of Israel as a nation. So, geographically, the Jewish people were on the eastern side of the Jordan River. When you speak about the movement of people you, uh, into Israel, which of course uh, entailed the splitting of the uh, Jordan River, you have them moving from east to west. So the Pesach tells us that Har Grizim and Ha'evel were on the other side of the Jordan, now, in order to appreciate the Pesach, we turn to the Tanaic source, where Pesach Lamed will be darshaned. Tonu Rabbonan. Again, the point here of this discussion is establishing the location of Hargrizim and Haravol. The Pesach says, Halohemo Beva HaYardain. What does that mean? Me'ever liyardain v'eilich, divrei Rabbi Yehuda. It means it's on the other side of the Jordan. It means you'd have to cross the Jordan River and go way in. V'eilich means go far in. It means you're going to be moving far west, uh, far west of the Jordan River. When we start talk in terms of near and far, of course, these are relative terms, but it's certainly not on the, uh, it's not near the banks of the Jordan. You have to, the people would have to move further west, further in. That's Rebbe Yudah's approach. There's another approach that, if you even skim down in the source, we've underlined the name. Halfway down, a little more, maybe you can see Rebbe Lozer says, Right away, you can see that his opinion differs, and that he has the Hagrizim Eva located next to the Jordan River. So now, let's continue where we left off above. The Pesach says, Achrei derech mevoi Hashemesh, Mokoim shechamo zoirachas. This is a tricky phrase. If we translate it, derech mevoi Hashemesh is a reference to the point where the sun rises. The word mevoi or bo, bo Hashemesh is a tricky expression. It, it can take on different meanings. According to Rabbi Yudah, Mevo Hashemesh means the arrival of the sun. The sun rises in the east. So when the Pesach says, Halohemo Be'eva Hayardain Derech Mevo Hashemesh, it really means, it means far from the east. Far from the 
there are the Mokim Shechama Zorachas. The Posik says, Be'eretz Aknani HaYoshev Barova, Elu Har Grizim Vahar Evol Shiyoshvin Bohem Kusim. The Posik says, in the land of the Canaanites that dwell on in the Arava, the plains, so the Tanaic source points out that nowadays, when the Tanaic source was authored, the Kusi people live there. Uh, as far as the source in the Gemara is concerned, it had a reference point to where the Hargrizim and Ha'evel were located. The, in other words, what I want to point out is that when the Gemara says, Kusim, that's not the interpretation of the Pasuk. The Pasuk is, speaks about in the land of the Canaanites that dwell on the plains, and that's Hargrizim Ha'evel, and for convenience purpose, the, the Tanaic source says, and if you want to know where that is, nowadays, if you know where the Kusis live, then you know where Hagrizim and Ha'evol was located. Mul HaGilgal, Somoch LeGilgal, near Gilgal. Gilgal is a, uh, a location referenced in the Torah when they crossed into the land of Israel. Eitzel Elone Moreh, Shechem. That is a reference to the town of Shechem. V'lahalon Omer v'yavur Avram Beretz Boretz ad Mokom Shechem ad Elon Moret. And here you see a Gezer Shava that we've seen in the past. Ma Elon Moret Amur l'halon Shechem. Just like Elon Moret that you see in the context of Avram is Shechem. That's clear in the pasuk. Afkan so too with regard to Hargrizim and Evil where Shechem wasn't mentioned. All all was mentioned was Elone Moret. So too, Afkan by the Hagriz Ma'evol understand Elon Moreh to be Shechem. Omar Rebelozer Rebiosi. Bedover Zeh Ziyafti Sifrei Kusim. Rebelozer Rebiosi tells us that regarding this matter, I show, I demonstrated how the, the literally the, the books, the scrolls of the Kusim are a forgery. But if you just, uh, if we, let's say, deviate for the time being from a literal translation, what Reblazer Riosi is, is going to be telling us is that the Kusim, uh, who were, they were essentially non-believers in the oral tradition. Rashi points out that they had accepted the written Torah without the rabbinic uh, traditional, or tradition on how to understand the Torah. So he says to them, your approach to Torah by relying only on the written word will lead you nowhere. And that's what he's saying. Ziyafti, I showed, I, I demonstrated to them that their approach is uh, is empty. Oh, now, what did he say? You made a mockery, a forgery of your Torah, and you got nothing out of it. You claim is Shechem. You claim that that, that Elone Moreh is a reference to the city of Shechem. Afonu modim Shelone Moreh Shechem. We too, who have the oral tradition, agree that Elone Moreh Shechem. Onu lam dinua b'gzera shava. We have a gzera shava method of learning, but that's an oral tradition. Atem bamer lemadetum. You, how do you know? You don't have gzera shavas. You don't have that as part of your, let's say, tools for understanding the Torah, because you deny the oral tradition. And as we mentioned earlier, the power of learning Xerashava is only because you have it as a tradition from your rabbi, who in turn had it as a tr- tradition from his rabbi. But you guys, you Kusim, who deny that whole um, aspect of Torah known as the oral law, how do you know that Elon Meir is what you claim it to be, to be Shechem?
Rebelozer Omer, Halohemo Beva Hayardain, Somochliardain. Tichtif, the section in in parentheses is uh, a skipped section based on the uh, the Bach uh, commentary. So Rebelozer says that the Pesach when it says Halohemo Beva Hayardain means next to the Yardain, immediately as soon as they would cross the Jordan River, very close to that location would be Har Grizim and Har Eval. Tichtiv, the Pesach says, Avruchem That is in Devorim, Perek Chav Zayin, Pesach Dalit. If we just take a moment and read the entire Pesach, it says, Avruchem Tokimu Hayom Bahar Evol, Oisam Basid. So this uh, Pesach from Perek Chav Zayin is a reference to Har Grizim and Har Eval, and it indicates the word Be'avrochem indicates as soon as you cross the river, there you will find Har Grizim and Har Eval. Hence, that's the location as far as Reb Lozim concerned, near the Jordan, not further west into the country. The Posuk said in uh, above in Posuk Lamed Achrei Derech Mevo Hashemesh. Mokom Shachamo Shokaas. So now the expression Acharei Derech indicates far away from Mivoa Shemesh. Now, what does he take Mivoa Shemesh to mean? From where the sun sets. So the sun sets in the west. So what the Pesach is telling us is far from the west. Rather, as, as we'll say, as easterly as you can go and still be in the land of Canaan and land of Israel, that's where Hargis Marival is. Be'eretz Aknani, and here the source goes on, not explaining that, but rather pointing out Eretz Chivi He. The reason we uh, explain the Gemara thusly is as taken from Rashi, where he says Be'eretz Aknani, Eretz Chivi He Benichusa. It's not presented as a question or as a challenge. Eino Eretz Aknani, Elo Eretz Hachivi. If not for Rashi's use of the word benichusa, or possibly I'm not understanding it entirely, I would read this section with a loshem tamiha. There are several uh, phrases that are difficult to understand, and the source points out the difficulties and in a few lines you'll notice Rebbe Lezer ben Yankov enters the picture, he comes to explain uh, what that which the Pesach says in light of Rebbe Lezer's explanation above so Rebbe Lezer ben Yankov is coming to interpret the Pesach in accordance with Rebbe Lezer's approach but until we get to Rebbe Lezer ben Yankov it would appear to me that the source is to be with a tone of wonderment so if we read again, the Pesach says, Be'eretz haknani, but you would say, Eretz chivihi, it's really the land of the chivi, because Shechem, uh, which is the location for the Brochus and Kolos to take place, is a land inhabited not by the Canaanite people, but rather by the chivi people. The Pesach says, Hayoshev baravo, valo bein horim ugvoz hein yoshvin. But is it not so that they live actually in a 
mountainous area as opposed to Arava is a plain. Mul Hagilgal. Follow Loro as Hagilgal. What do you mean near the Gilgal? But they didn't even they didn't even see the Gilgal. So uh, Rashi says Mul Gul Rechokim in Hagilgal Haim VeHasimonim Halolu Lo Aleim Nemru VeLoma Nemru. So if, if these psukim, these phrases were not said with regard to the Har Grizim and Har Eifel per se. So why were they stated? Why are these things here? So now the explanation is forthcoming. Rebbelezer ben Yankov Oimer, he comes to explain in in line with Rebbelezer above. Lo bo hakosav elo laharois lohem derech bashnia kederech shehero lohem borishona. The words here are actually guide words for the Jewish people in how to travel like there was a guide initially when they journeyed through the wilderness there were clouds of glory the Anani Yaakov there was Amud Eish a pillar of fire that guided them so in the in, with the departure of those phenomena the Torah provides guidance in how to travel and that's what these words are referring to the word Derech the Posuk had made reference to Achrei Derech Mevo Hashemesh the word derech is bederech lechu v'lobesodos ukromim. Go by way of the road, not through fields and vineyards. The pasuk had mentioned the word hayoshev, hayoshev baravah, beyishuv lechu v'lobemidbaros. Go through settled areas and not through deserts. Boaravah, baravah lechu v'lobaharom ugvos. Go through the plains, not over mountains and hills. Let's glance at Rashi on the last, the lower part of the narrow lines. Kederech sheher lohem barishona, but seisomi Mitzrayim ba'omud onon. When they left Mitzrayim, they had the clouds of glory, lanchoisam haderech to guide them through the desert. Kach bo achshav. So too now it comes liashir dachem lohirusam aderech to give them a straight path to travel. It's true that when the pasuk was recited, the pillar of the, of cloud was still there, but the giver of the Torah knew that Moshe Rabbeinu was going to die, and it, with his death, no more clouds of glory. And the Amud Hanan would not continue with Yoshua into the land of Israel. So the Torah instructs that after they cross the Jordan, to conquer the land, they should go in a over a traversed path, say a straight path, through the land of the Kanani, Shehi Arava, that is a plain. It's not hilly. The Al Yakifu Somuch Lisfas Hayarde Derech Eretz Hachivi, Shehi Horim Uvos. And not go around uh, 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 next to the banks of the Jordan, because that area, if you follow along the banks of the Jordan, you find it to be very mountainous. And that's where the 
Chivi actually lived. Elo Yikonsu Lusocha Mitzad Marov Rochok Min Hayarden Viakifu Vichvashu. Rather, they should go in a westerly fashion and enter deep into the land, far from the Jordan, and proceed that way and conquer the land. As we continue in the Gemara, there's a no say a topic heading, and it reads Ad Lamedalim Abeis. So there's a rather long topic ahead of us. Ketzad Ovru Yisrael Es Hayardin. The Gemara describes how the Jewish people crossed the Jordan River into the land of Israel. We're going to be using a double underline to highlight the expression Bechol Yom, and the dashed underline emphasizing the word Hayom. Now the Gemara. Tana Rabbanu Ketzad Ovru Yisrael Es Hayardin. How did the Jewish people cross the Jordan? Bechol Yom Every day, meaning during the trip of the Jewish people after the exodus from Mitzrayim through the Midbar, the holy ark that contained the Ten Commandments, it traveled behind two tribes, literally two flags, but two degolim is referenced to two tribes, and the so the setup is described in Parshas Noso in Sefer Bamidbor. Vehayom, and now on this day, the day of crossing into the land of Canaan, Nosa Tchila, the Aron went ahead of the people. Shinemar Hine Aron Habris Adon Koloretz Over Lifnechem. Here the Aron Habris, the Holy Ark, the Ark of the Covenant of the Master of the World. Over Lefnechem is going to go ahead of you. Bechol Yom Vyom on a regular day during their travel through the Midbar, Leviim Noisim Esaron. The Leviim carried the Aron Vayom Nasu Kaihanim. And on that day, Kaihanim, Kaihanim are actually a subdivision of the Leviim, but the Kaihanim are all descendants of Aaron Hakayin. So on this day that they crossed over, the, specifically the Kaihanim carried it. Shinemar Vahoyo Kenoyach Kapois Ragle Hakoyhanim Noise Aron Hashem Vegomer. Mirzashem in the upcoming Gemara will see more detail as to what took place. But on that day, it's the last point we mentioned is the, the Kayanim took over uh, the carrying of the Aron. With that, we conclude our Shior for today.